0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is the weekend, and of course that means it's time for The Express. All the latest tech news this week, and we revisit some big stories.
2: You're
3: listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest,
1: And of course, a warm welcome back to me. Yes, me. I wasn't here yesterday because Michael Babcock was in this chair. And what a mess he's made of it.
4: But Sean Price is here. He don't keep control of this place when I'm not here. I tell you what, it was just a pleasure to work with such a professional. And did I mention a golden voiced broadcaster like Mickey Hang on, B? I wasn't here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I noticed. Thanks, of <laughs> course, to Michael. He did an amazing job.
1: He did. Uh, I uh, had a wonderful time at a conference called Accessibility Scotland, uh, which I got a chance to go to. Uh, can you guess what it was about and where it was, Sean Priest?
4: Uh, was it about accessibility and in Scotland? You, you know, you're good at this. I know. I'm just like Columbo. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Blind colombo That's what we're going to call you from now on. That's your nickname. Uh, yeah, it was really good. That was great to catch up with lots of new people in this space and learn about all kinds of things. We'll, we'll talk more about that next week. And uh, I can imagine there's going to be a lot of discussion, ideas. That's one of the great things about these conferences. When you go along, you come back with tons of ideas. And... Um, I guess new areas, because one of the things that the Accessibility Scotland conference is all about is reaching out to people and in retail and people who create and develop apps and websites to make sure that they're as accessible as possible. It's not all about talking to blind people, because oftentimes we don't we are not necessarily the ones who need to be spoken to. We need to be involved in the conversations (laughs) speaking to developers. Uh, so that's where this conference was really, really good. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun at that. Thank you to Michael for standing in in my seat. But uh, you two did a fantastic job. Uh, I'd say that, of course, from the perspective of uh, someone who listens.
4: If I'd actually listened, I may believe what I just said. Unbelievable. Well, the listeners will let you know what... Uh... No, actually, please don't email in. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Uh,
1: <laughs> Michael's <laughs> back, and that'll
4: be it. I'll, I'll be gone. Just going. on his own. Yeah. We're
1: both done. <laughs> uh, uh, well, look, coming up this week, lots of the big tech stories from the week, of course. I had a sit-down with uh, Lucy Begley from Humanware, talking about the Victor Reader Stream 3rd Generation, and also Jason Fair about the... Uh, sense player from hymns so we've got some nice updates for that that's all coming up plus brilliant listener demos from scientura and from lena as well we're going to learn about wiki trip and weatherology that's coming up a bit later and also sean priest in conversation with mike buckley from be my eyes uh, talking about all the latest developments uh, on the app and in particular on their be my ai feature which is in quotes still coming soon so, uh, looking I'm forward to that. Yes, yeah
4: it's, yeah, it's nearly here. And you're
1: going to Maybe. get the details, right? I am. Mm. You know me. Colombo. Yeah, I know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> First, though, Grace Schofield's here with the Weekend Tech News.
5: Thanks, guys. And welcome back to the Double Tap News, where it's another big week for blind LEGO fans as the company has announced it's partnered with the popular Be My Eyes app. LEGO recently announced that it would be selling its popular Braille bricks to the public, following a successful launch in 2019 that was available to educational establishments only. The Braille bricks feature both Braille dots and written letters, allowing blind and sighted children to play together. Be My Eyes works by connecting the visually impaired person with a sighted volunteer using the back camera of a smartphone, but the app also offers a specialized help section, giving users easy access to customer support from companies such as Microsoft, Google, And now, Lego. Mike Buckley, the CEO of Be My Eyes, explains what this partnership means.
0: Now, if you're a user of Lego bricks in, I think it's eight or 10 countries, you can call into Lego customer support for assistance of any kind not just with braille bricks but if you have directions or you want you know additional information or there's a you know a technical problem there's a piece missing which i think is pretty rare on Lego but it's basically a traditional customer support function that's been extended to people who are blind and low vision and I'm just incredibly excited as a lifelong fan of Legos.
5: Make sure you're listening to Double Tap next week, as we'll be hearing from the CNIB who are selling the Braille bricks in Canada. Soundscape is back, and it's growing again in popularity. The navigation and orientation app, first developed by Microsoft, was made open source at the end of August. Since then, a number of versions have appeared in the Apple App Store, including Voice Vista, Soundscape Community, and Soundscape, all operating from the same original source code. Kirsty McIntosh is from the Scottish Tech Army Group who worked with various volunteer partners to reinvent Soundscape. She explained to Double Tap how she imagines the app to be sustainable.
6: We have to find a way, I think, of putting the control of that technology into the hands of the community that's dependent upon it. And I think one of the ways to do that is to, is to develop a framework that spreads the cost of hosting apps like this across multiple organisations, so that no... Single organization is shouldering the burden of the cost, but also no single organization gets to pull the plug on it um, and that actually somehow there is a different framework there is a different conversation that goes on about you know the sustainability of it over the longer term and if you're if you 're a global this is a global product at the end of the day if you if globally you 've got you know communities all over the world using it, that cost can be really tiny for lots of lots of organizations, and it means that no one organization if they're their contribution, you know, needs to be diverted somewhere else where the need is greater. That if they pull it from Soundscape, that the whole app doesn't just stop overnight because the money is not there.
5: The free Windows screen reader NVDA got a major update this week. The latest release introduces the add-on store to replace the add-ons manager. You can browse, search, install and update community add-ons and even manually override incompatibility issues with outdated add-ons. At your own risk, of course. There's also new Braille features, commands, and display support. There are many bug fixes too, particularly for Braille, Microsoft Office, web browsers, and Windows 11. The new update should be available now, but you can always download and support the project online at nvaccess.org. The IFA conference is held annually in Berlin and has evolved into Europe's premier platform for tech giants to display their state-of-the-art products, and it was no different as the conference celebrated its 99th year. Philips Hue made waves by merging smart lighting with home security, introducing an innovative range of cameras and sensors. Not to be outdone, Lenovo is stepping into the gaming area with its powerful Legion Go handheld and the high-specification Legion 9i laptop. Meanwhile, Honor is setting new standards in the foldable tech segment with its ultra-slim Magic V2. In the world of smart audio, JBL has unveiled its Authentic Speakers, a pioneering product that seamlessly integrates both Alexa and Google Assistant, a first in the industry. Garmin is also making headlines with its enhanced smartwatch lineup, the Venue 3 and Venue 3S, which boast improved sleep tracking and call functionalities. Sony's Xperia 5V smartphone, tailored for photography enthusiasts, and Roborock's advanced AI-driven robot vacuums also gained attention. Now, this is one for our US, UK, and Australian listeners only. Do you have a big idea that you think should be implemented into JAWS or Zoom Text? Is there a feature you wish existed? Well, now is your chance to not only put your ideas forward, but possibly win a $1,000 Amazon gift card too. Vispero is running the contest, and Matt Adder, VP of Vispero, told DoubleTap how it will work. So we're
3: seeking input from customers. We are doing a contest The contest is called Next Big Thing, and any customer who submits or any person who submits, it doesn't, I don't believe it has to be a customer, that's the the rules in contest, but the contest rules will be on the website. Um, Anybody who submits um, and their uh, Next Big Thing gets selected uh, will receive a five-year license of the software of their choice, along with a $1,000 Amazon gift card, And your group can be up to three people, and all three people would get the uh, license as well as the $1,000 Amazon gift card. The uh, contest rules are on next big thing, so you can go to www.freedomscientific.com forward slash next big thing. We will hold an event on November 14th during what we call Shark Vember. The contest will run from September 5th until October 16th.
5: Sadly, due to various legal issues, Vispero told Double Tap they were unable to stretch the contest to Canada, so listeners who enter will not be counted. Apple is due to hold its iPhone event next week. Rumors are circulating about new colours form factors, and even the type of material used in its cases. But the things we believe to be true is that we will see new iPhones and new Apple Watches, including a new Watch Ultra. As always, though, we never know anything really until the day, so make sure you're tuning in to Double Tap the next day for full analysis and reaction from Stephen and Sean. And it won't just be here at Double Tap that you can catch all the Apple updates. You can check out our brand new tech show over on AMI-tv starting next week, featuring Double Tap's Steven Scott and former Double Tap TV presenter, Marco Aflalo. The new show is called Access Tech Live and promises to talk about tech from a wider disability perspective. And I'm honored to present a sneak peek.
3: This fall, the creators of Double Tap TV bring you a brand new series, about technology and accessibility. Introducing Access Tech Live with familiar faces, Stephen Scott and Marco Aflalo. We've been listening to our audience
1: and we believe that we've created a show that our audience is going to love. Being able to connect with the audience live in real time is gonna be amazing.
3: Access Tech Live, a new weekly one-hour show featuring the latest news as it happens, hands-on reviews, and special guests from the world of tech Access Tech Live is going to be your opportunity to get involved. With live chat and feedback so you can join the conversation. Access Tech Live, coming this fall to AMI-tv and streamed online to, well, everywhere.
5: So don't you forget to tune in to Access Tech Live, starting September 14th on AMI-tv with Stephen Scott and Marco Flalo. And it is live, so you can get involved too. Tune in Thursday at noon Eastern and check it out for yourself. That's the Double Tap News this week. I'm Grace Scofield.
1: Thank you, Grace. A lot to digest there. But of course, the big story there from me anyway, Sean, is the news that Access Tech Live is coming to AMI-tv this coming Thursday. I am so excited. I, am, I know who the guests are going to be on this show on the first one and i'm excited
4: you don't know yet uh, but i know and i love knowing something you don't know don't lord it over me no it's going to be great <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm excited for you Stephen. this is going to
1: be cool thank you yes i'm no, very excited mark and i are getting ready for the show and uh, you may have seen some of my tweets or uh, toots over the past couple of days uh, various pictures from the control room which is like something out of, I guess, a Star Trek episode. Uh, There's so many monitors and people who know what they're doing, which I have to say is very unusual in my world. But uh, yeah, I can't wait for the TV show to start. Thank you, Sean. Um, (laughs) I think you meant thank you, Stephen. Anyway, um, okay. So let's uh, move on because one of the big stories this week was Be My Eyes, right? They've uh, had their big partnership with Lego, as we were just hearing. But uh, also you managed to get more information
4: about the future of what is coming from Be My Eyes. That's right. In particular, Be My AI, because that's the thing we're all chomping at the bit for. That's what we want to know. So let's hear what Mike had to say.
0: I can give you some updates, uh, Sean, if that's useful. We we are now up to just over 12,000 people using this on a daily basis. We're seeing nearly that number of sessions per day. Um, we still have another twelve to fourteen thousand to clear off the waiting list. Um, but what? we are we are seeing uh, you know, I think results that are similar to your characterization. Um, you know, latency is down. Most of the answers come in under ten seconds, closer to six to seven sometimes. We're seeing general user satisfaction on the nine out of ten scale. Um, and I think you know we're seeing fewer errors. You know, there there are still things that I think need to be improved, as as you know, you and I would agree, and we can probably talk about you know some errors or use cases and things like that. But I I think what we're seeing is that, generally speaking, um, the satisfaction and utility on this is is just about as everything we would hope for. And I and you know I try not to to you know do too much uh, hyperbole, right? Or, or yes. Or, or but but i i i really do think that this is this is performing in the way that we had hoped and um and i can tell you i i think we're going to make this uh generally available in less than two months maybe sooner
4: oh wow so many people will be uh happy to hear that i know there was a lot of excitement when you came out of the what should we call it the closed beta testing and opened it up a bit more but as you said there's still so many people waiting to try this out because there's so much excitement from it um Talking about the beta testing, um, as I said, I'm still impressed. There's still some times where I take a photo of something and the level of detail it comes back with just blows me away. Have you found that maybe some of the people that have been on the beta since the very beginning, are they sort of getting used to that now? Are there, uh, I don't know, are they expecting even more from it? Do you know what I mean? Has it sort of worn off the wow factor for some of the long-term users?
0: Yeah, I, I, I think there's still a reasonable amount of wow and enjoyment, but um, it's it's an interesting question that you ask for a couple of reasons. The first is we do see a great deal of variance on the user side for how extensive they want the answer to be, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if I take a picture and I'm trying to figure out, it's is this my red sweater or green sweater? All I want to know, Sean, is, oh yeah, that's the green one. But I get, this is a green sweater. It's laying down on a bed. It appears to be woven <laughs> in a nice thing, you know, right? Because it's so descriptive. And so what we're hearing from people is um, it would be nice to have some sort of a toggle switch, right, where the user could determine the level of detail and the response that they want. So that's something that we're working on right now. Um, you know, occasionally you're just going to want a crisp, curt answer to something, right? Um I, I think the, the other thing that I would say about, about the folks that have been on this longer is they're just – they're testing it on harder and more intricate things, right? Yes, yes. Um, you know, very complex graph on an academic paper, right, or a medical journal, things like that. Um, um, more use cases, for example, in an airport, right, seeing how it handles, you know, the, the cacophony of visual information on an airport departure screen. Right mm-hmm. um, and things like that, and so um, I still think people are generally pleased, and I and I do think there's still a wow, but like you know, it, it, people get competitive, right? They wanted they want to beat up the tool and see how far they can push it.
4: Yeah, we, we always want to break things, right? We want right. to see how far exactly. we can push it. So, yeah. to, talking about uh, that, what what has the beta test given you so far? I mean, if you look back from where you started from to where we're at today, um, apart from, you know, speed increases, maybe and interface changes. What what has it given you? What has what features has it brought to the
0: app? Yeah, um, you did mention one. I mean, there are a ton of user interface things that we that we've changed from um, language to functionality to to. Um, um, immediately taking the picture when you open the app, rather than having to make a voice command or press a button. So yes. that has been incredibly valuable to us, and and makes the interaction um, um, quick. This 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 notion of how um, detailed an answer you want is something that's going to make its way uh, into the app. We've also learned about where certain limitations are. Um, OCR is not where it needs to be yet on the app. I think that'll change by early next year, but um, that's something that, need, that, that clearly needs to be improved. I think um, uh, we've also seen from the, the beta testers that there are still times where uh, the AI is just super confident in its error, Right. Yes. yes, And until you challenge it and push back, then, then, you know, the AI says something like, oh, I'm sorry, you're right. Whereas, you know, 10 seconds ago, you were 95% certain. And so um, I think we've learned a lot from, from the beta testers on that thing. And, and, and perhaps the most important, Sean, and um, I feel, you know, quite strongly and, and actually passionate about this is I think it is absolutely imperative that the people using these tools, whether in our app or elsewhere, have the option of a human in the loop to, for verification. Um, look, I, I love what's going on in AI right now. And um, the, the benefits for our community are potentially you know, societally altering, right? Yes. Um, however, when you get to things like crossing the street, uh, medication, um, um, making sure a meal or a product doesn't have allergens. I think those are things where we have to make sure that the that that the person using this service has the chance to call a volunteer and get verification of results, it's principally because AI is not yet perfect. And so in these medium or high stakes use cases, having the ability to verify results is important. And The engineers at Be My Eyes. By the way, thank you guys. You're amazing. Uh, I'm sorry for all the asks and the late hours. (laughs) Um, um, What they are building right now, um, Sean, is if you get a, a result from the AI and it's something you know important or potentially that has risk associated with it, you'll be able to either give a verbal command or push a button. And that information and the and the AI result, so the picture and the AI result will go out to a group of volunteers and our our design is going to be in less than ten seconds you'll get a thumbs up from five to ten users on whether or not the the information is accurate so it's just it's I think it's a really cool thing first of all, but I think it's really important for for a tool like this. To, to give the, the power to the individual to verify in multiple ways. So I'm really excited that we're just about to start testing it. But um, I just, I think it's something that's important as we, as we move forward.
4: That is just so cool. That is fantastic. And it is the difference because since you started this whole AI journey, it's it's funny because more and more AI-powered apps have become available and services. Uh, someone was showing me the Bing Chat AI service, um, which you, know, you can do something similar, take a picture and it will describe it. But I think the most important thing and something that's just vital is the option to ask a volunteer aren't in Be My Eyes. So even inside the Be My AI section, if it's unsure or there's always an option there to jump to a human volunteer. And you you can't overstate how important that is because you're right. You know, this is still uh, fallible at the end of the day. It doesn't matter how impressive it is. And despite, despite how many times you say, you know, well, really don't use this for medication or things like that, people do. Um, you know, people if they're stuck, sometimes they will try anything. I think that's yeah. an amazing feature. That would be so cool.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, you know, the other thing that I would say, Sean, I've learned this from you and Stephen and others, is I, I, um, I underestimated how important this tool was going to be to reconnect people with certain social media to, um. People and faces are really important. Um, and currently what we have is a situation where um, because of privacy laws and v- various biometric laws in, in certain jurisdictions, certain of the uh, of those images are being blurred. Um, we are working on a workaround for that within the Be My Eyes app that I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll have. But I don't think... I just, you know, you asked what we learned or what they helped us with or what we were surprised by. I, I just, I underestimated the, the power and importance of, of people, right? And, 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 and connecting with photos and images of people, whether it's a holiday card or your Instagram feed or, or whatever. And so that was, um, you know, our, our beta testers actually were, were, some of them were quite emotional about this. And, um, and it, was, it, was, it was fascinating and heartwarming and, and just a learning for me.
4: No, absolutely. We've been sort of excluded from photos for so long. I mean, we've had photo descriptions for quite a few years now. And when that was first rolled out to various social media platforms, it was, this is going to be great. And it's better than nothing, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's not a patch on, you know, what certain um, AI uh, levels of detail you can get and it it just brings it to life rather than just saying this is a photo of a you know a man sat on a chair or something it gives you more than that and even sometimes describes the atmosphere of or the emotions of a photo and that's still absolutely incredible
0: yeah it it happens with artwork too right if you take a picture of a of a painting that you get that robust kind of description of not only the colour or the image, but also sometimes the mood that's being depicted in the uh, yes. in the painting. It's, I love that as well.
4: Absolutely. So you're, you say, two or three months away, hopefully from a general release to everyone?
0: I think less, but, you know, I'm, 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 yes. I'm, I'm just always give myself a slight hedge. Never Charmer.
4: guarantee anything. No, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, everyone's going to be blown away. I am absolutely sure about that. But where do you see this going? I mean, the trouble is there's you know I, I get this and I'm so impressed, but now I want more. Um, I'm thinking of you know video analysis rather than photo or even audio analysis are, are we Are we anywhere close to that being implemented?
0: I hope so i, I don't know that I have you know the the technical prowess or, or knowledge um, to give you you know. I don't know if it's 18 months or two years, but there's no doubt that the next frontier has to be kind of real time video. Right. Um, It's just, you know, it's, it's a necessity. If you, if you really are trying to make an argument about equity and you're trying to make an argument about real access, it has to go there. Um, And I think that's largely a function of compute power. Right. Um, And, and, you know, battery and a whole bunch of other things, but, but, I think what we've seen in the past is when you when there are issues of compute power or or you know battery life and things like that almost always there are things that can be overcome. So I'm I'm actually optimistic there. But you're right, that's the next frontier. The next frontier is video.
4: I'm I'm hoping also it's going to be wearable. So I mean we have the Envision glasses, we have Celeste people are very interested on although they're not exactly standalone on on device processing on those. Are we going to see some Be my eye glasses anytime soon?
0: Exclusive. Um hey, well, no, we 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 are not getting into the hardware business, but you know, Envision, we're very good friends with those folks, and I, I think you'll see some collaboration there. Um, I have connected with the Celeste folks. Um, we don't have a formal collaboration yet, but but we're certainly open to it. I think the other one to keep your eye on, Sean, is Humane. Really. Um, they're 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 going to launch their uh, their pin at some point uh, in the near future. They've already started a waiting list, um, and it's a it's a remarkably interesting device that actually, you know, sits on your chest or your lapel. The battery is a magnet that you put on the other side of your clothing, and it's um, it's hands free, non glasses. Which, as you know better than me, that. Many people in our community, they don't want glasses because they have other prescriptions or they don't want something on their head. Um, And I think it's, you know, having seen a demo of this device and and talking to the founders there who are really lovely and thoughtful and, and quite interested in accessibility. I think that there are some very interesting things coming from Humane.
4: It was great to talk to Mike there. And of course, the big takeaway for me is two to three months before it's on general release i hope so it's so impressive as i said yeah me too uh, this is double tap express we're
1: looking back at the week that was on double tap and up next we are going to learn all about the victor reader stream third gen also how the new firmware update is settling in on the sense player from hymns and also we have fantastic demos of wiki trip and the weatherology app all that on the way This is Double Tap from
7: AMI-audio. Email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us 877-803-4567. And find us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air.
2: And now on Mastodon
8: at Double Tap.
2: Hello, my name is Svagn and I'm from Lillehammer in Norway. Today I have an app demo for you. The app is called Wikitrip. This app is almost like having a tourist guide in your pocket. The app finds places near you and reads Wikipedia articles about them. It tells you about cities, churches, schools, train stations, power plants, and much more. This app works great with voiceover... And it's great when you are walking or traveling in a car or in a bus or in a train. And before I go, I will play you some audio clips of me traveling in a bus so you can hear what this app sounds like. Thank you so much for a fantastic show. You are awesome.
8: Bring up with Dave Church. 0,3 0, 0,3 km east. Ringabu Stave Church, Norwegian, Ringebu Stavekirke, is a parish church of the Church of Norway in Ringabu Municipality in Inlandet County, Norway. It is located in the village of Ringabu in the Gudbrandstalin Valley. It is the church for the Ringabu Parish, which is part of the Sør-Gudbrandsdalen Prosti, Deanery, in the Diocese of the The Brown, Wooden church was built in a state church design around the year 1220 using plans drawn up by an unknown architect. The church seats about 300 people. Kvitfjell, 4,1 kilometers southwest. Kvitfjell, Norwegian, White Mountain, is a ski resort in Norway, located in the municipality of Ringebu. Developed for the 1994 Winter Olympics in Lillehammer, it is one of the most modern resorts in the world, with snowmaking on 80% of the alpine pistes. Based near the river Brandstall the resort offers 23 pistes, 5 green, nursery, 9 blue, beginner, 6 red, intermediate, and 3 black, advanced. Kvitfjell is also home to a terrain park and 120 kilometers (75 miles) of cross-country pistes, with access to 480 kilometers (300 miles) extra in Skåne Norwegian Olympic Museum, 1,1 kilometers east. Norwegian Olympic Museum, Norges Olympus Museum, is located at Mayhaugen in Lillehammer, Norway. The Norwegian Olympic Museum shows the history of the Olympic Games in ancient and modern times, with a focus on the 1952 Winter Olympics in Oslo and 1994 Winter Olympics at Lillehammer. Olympic highlights are presented through interactive installations, multimedia presentations and stories related to authentic objects. In addition to the permanent exhibition, the museum also displays temporary exhibitions with a theme related to sports history and athletic achievements. Paralympics and the Youth Olympics have their own sections in the museum. The Norwegian Olympic Museum was officially opened by King Harold V and Queen Sonja on November 27, 1997, in Hakons Hall. It's August
9: 15th, and here is my weather report for San Diego, California.
2: Here's a look at your weather forecast, powered by weatherology.com. Highs level off around 82 this afternoon. Under partly cloudy skies, northwesterly winds, 8 to 15 miles per hour. 67 tonight, overcast. Tomorrow, 80. Upper 70s, Friday and Saturday, with a chance for scattered storms, Saturday. And that's your forecast. I'm meteorologist Paul Frobley. Currently, it's 77. Detective. And if I'm you home. ask me, okay.
9: 77 is much too hot. This app is called Weatherology. It's my favorite weather app because it's accessible. It can be used by anybody anywhere in the world. It is free. It is available for iOS and Android. And it offers us so many choices as I'll show you some of them as we go through it. When we install the app, we do not have to create an account, but we do have to make some choices. We have to let it know if we want it to use our current location or our home location. I keep mine set to current location because I travel quite a bit. We also have to tell it if we want our temperature in Fahrenheit or Celsius, our wind in miles or kilometers, our rain in inches or millimeters, our snow in inches or centimeters, and our barometric pressure in inches of mercury or millibars. We also have to go through a couple screens. There was nothing scary or significant in those screens so I didn't take notes and I can't tell you what they were because I forgot already and that was just five minutes ago. We also get to choose if we want a simple or a detailed view when we open the app and we have the option to set 10 favorites. So if we want to keep track of the weather in other cities, we can do that. I do want to say something about the app and how it's laid out. In Android, we often have to tap buttons that are labeled menus and they work fine. In iOS, that that sound you just heard is because my weather app updated. We do have some alerts in effect for San Diego, though I'm not in the path of any of them. In iOS, we have four tabs across the bottom in Android, that's a menu, and we have five buttons across the top. Again, that's a menu in Android. Let's start with the tabs across the bottom. Starting in the lower left, we have
10: Daily Selected, Forecast. Forecast. One of four.
9: And that's where I have mine set right now. Maps. Then we have maps. Now, Syrian Talkback do try to give us some information, but that's a feature that our sighted friends will appreciate.
10: Favorites. Tab. Favorites. That's
9: where we can add more cities, or we can view the cities that we have. And content. Tab. The fourth tab in the lower right is content. There's some really cool articles in there, and. They're all accessible, both screen readers, TalkBack and VoiceOver read the articles just fine. In the middle of the screen, we have our play button, we have our daily forecast and our hourly forecast, but we're gonna go to the top of our screen and explore the buttons there. So again, I'll start in the left, upper left. Settings. Okay, settings. If I wanted to change anything, like maybe I'm tired of having the detailed view, or maybe I want to turn off alerts, that's where I go to do it.
10: Current location. Button.
9: Current location.
10: San Diego, California. Button. Search. Button.
9: Now, search. If I right this minute wanted to check on weather somewhere else, I could double tap on the search button and either type or dictate. name of a city or a country whatever i wanted and it would immediately bring up weather for that location i sometimes do that when i have friends in areas that are getting weather that concerns me like in the winter when my family members are experiencing blizzards
10: a white circle in front of a blue sky with clouds
9: now that's the next button and you heard siri say a white circle with clouds that's because thank goodness the sun has gone behind the clouds so it's a much more enjoyable day for me if i had favorites it would give me a synopsis like that of what their weather would be at the time i'm swiping through this
10: charts button
9: chart we can set this up to display things as a chart a grid again this app gives us so many choices
10: home location button
9: Home location,
10: three alerts in effect.
9: Now, we have three alerts, but as I say, I'm not in the path of anything. We have flash flood watches, thunderstorm possibilities in the mountains, and high winds. So don't worry, I'm in a safe spot. We have the play button, and we have five different voices we can choose from. Then if we put our finger about the center of the screen, we can get our hourly forecast.
10: Three alerts. Hourly forecast, Wednesday, 4 PM. Conditions, partly cloudy. Chance of precipitation, 5%. Temperature, 76 degrees.
9: And then if we put our finger about an inch from the bottom, we can get our daily forecast.
10: Hourly forecast, daily forecast, Wednesday conditions partly cloudy high temperature 82 degrees chance of precipitation five percent now if i swipe right daily forecast i
9: can thursday, get thursday conditions and friday partly cloudy, and saturday and sunday degrees, and monday of and sunday zero percent i hope other listeners will find my favorite weather app to be useful and fun
1: Two amazing demos there from our listeners. Lena there with the Weatherology app review, which sounds fantastic. Can't wait to download that and give it a try. Also, Scientura with the Wiki Trip app, which, uh, again, brilliant. Just getting to know your surroundings. Although, like you were saying earlier in the week, Sean, I think he's got far better
4: surroundings than we do <laughs> where I live anyway. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. There are some interesting things on his journey, unlike probably ours. But hey, it's it's definitely a cool app. I'm going to try it out.
1: Definitely. Well, look, coming up, I'm going to learn all about the new firmware update on the Sense Player from Hims, which is uh, garnering a lot of excitement, particularly because of this new mobile screen reader, which is built in. But what does it mean? How does it work? Well, we're going to get into that with Jason Fair from Toronto shortly. But first to Humanware and their new Victor Reader Stream 3rd Gen, and I got a chance to get hands-on with the device at a library in Glasgow, Scotland. Yes, I went outside, Sean Priest to a library, Mm. uh, yeah, a place where you have to be quiet, and I did an interview. That's probably not the (laughs) smartest idea. Uh, But we weren't told to be quiet, as uh, Lucy and I found a cafe in the library to sit down and have a chat. The Victor Reader Stream 3rd gen, what is different about this compared to the Victor Reader Stream 2nd gen?
11: OK, so there's a lot of similarities and there's quite a few differences. So the first thing is how it actually feels in your hands. There's a nice sort of rectangular rubber grip around the back. It feels a little bit lighter. The buttons, although they are in the same layout, so it will feel very familiar to anyone out there that's had the original Stream or the Stream 2. But the buttons are more rubberised. They still have a nice click to them and and a beep if you choose to have that setting on. But I've had a lot of really good feedback about how the buttons feel. They're just a bit clearer, a little bit easier to access. There are a few key changes. The first one is it's got Bluetooth. Bluetooth. And, uh, and I know a lot of our Hallelujah. customers. Yes, exactly, exactly. So really great to be able to use Bluetooth you know, speaker or, or Bluetooth um, earbuds or um, those kind of devices. Because I know a lot of people had moved on to our Victor Reader Trek for, for that purpose, but mm. still we're really just using the stream features rather than the GPS. So yeah, Bluetooth built in. We do still have a headphone jack for people that still want to use wired headphones, which I, I think is uh, really good. And we've still got a wired uh, microphone um, socket again for people that want to you know plug in for better quality recordings
1: so is that separate
11: yes there' are two different ports now oh. yep yeah. and it records in stereo Another um, hardware change is the the charging port, so it's USB-C now, so the Stream 2 was a USB-micro, which was was just always a bit tricky to, you know, it had to be the right way round because it was trapezium-shaped, so if it was upside down, it wouldn't go in properly. So USB-C is a faster charger, it's just a bit more modern, but also it doesn't matter if it's upside down or not, there there isn't an upside down, you know, um, so it's much easier to actually plug it in. So that's where it charges, and there's a new little adapter for people that like to use a, U- a usb memory stick you know a thumb drive it comes with an adapter to just plug in the memory stick and then you know one ends the usb a for the memory stick and the other ends usb c so you can still do that
1: so in terms of ports usb c you've got your audio out your headphone jack and also a microphone in port uh, you've also got your sd card slot Any other ports on there?
11: That's it. Um, it. So there's the speaker as well at the bottom, Mm. and the speaker is really vastly improved. That's something we've had a lot of feedback on, and it's much louder. There are now 20 volume steps. There were 15 before, but to be honest, even I think volume 15 is louder than what the the volume 15 on the Stream 2 was. But the quality is actually really good, and that's just the unbuilt speaker, you know, without connecting it to a Bluetooth speaker or something like that.
1: Now, I want to ask you about Audible, because I, I get a lot of emails from people saying, that this audible issue is still ongoing and I I think just for my understanding what I'm I'm hearing is that people are not able to get these devices, this new generation, authorised through the audible sync app and that is something which humanware is saying is coming soon uh, and this device has been out what six months?
11: Yeah, so it, it was it was launched in the states first of all. So, yeah, I understand a lot of our, our customers will be quite frustrated about this, as are we. It's something that we're very actively working on with Audible Sync, and have been for actually about two years uh, now. Because obviously, although it's it's just come out this year, the, the Stream Three, we've you know it's been in development for well for m- much longer than that. So we are in talks with them. The issue is that uh, Audible need to authorize it as you say, so, so that it's a device that will that will work with our systems. And because the, the Stream 3 on um, you know has been upgraded, it uses a transfer protocol, something called MTP, it stands for Media Transfer Protocol. And that's different, that's a more up-to-date way of transferring files, such as Audible Books, onto your stream. It's a more modern way of doing it, and it's different to how the stream 2 worked. So it means that Audible Sync needs to update their side of things to make it work and to authorise it. Now... That hasn't been done by Audible at this stage. We're really hoping that it will happen, but it's, it hasn't been done at the moment. But it's something that I'm, you know, quietly confident will will happen, um, hopefully in the next few months. But I just don't have any kind of dates or anything at this stage.
1: So maybe it's time for us double tappers to, uh, you know, get an email written to Audible support and say, look, we want to use our Victor Reader Stream third gen. Could you make this happen? Maybe we should get involved in this.
11: Do you know, I think that's a really great idea because it, it's, it'd be really good for Audible Sync to, to know how important people using their streams, you know, how important that is to them. And it's not just that, you know, we're quite fancy using a, a device that's not on um, I, Audible's recommended list. It's, you know, it's because it's the only way to make it accessible. So yeah. it's really, really important that they understand that. And while we, you know, Humanware as a company have, of course, been saying that in our meetings, I think, you know, to hear from the actual end user would be really powerful yeah
1: and of course you can get all the information about the victor reader stream third gen from humanware's website humanware.com and of course you can find out all about uh, any new updates here on double tap and of course we'll be keeping up to date with what's happening uh, with humanware as they continue to join us on the show now to the other company that is making a similar product, not the same, but a similar product. It's called the Sense Player from HIMSS. Now, we talked to Jason Fair from Toronto when he first got the device. Now we're catching up with him after a big firmware update, which brings with it a mobile screen reader, allowing you to do things like download apps like Netflix directly onto the Sense Player. How does it work? How useful is it? I caught up with Jason Fair to find out.
7: Is going really well. It's uh, the the new Android support is is quite cool. It Allows you to actually install Android apps on the device, so you can now get access to things like Audible, uh, which we didn't have before. So it's uh, yeah, it's going well.
1: Um, and that's so, and that's with its own screen reader now built in, right? So how does that work?
7: Yeah. So what, the way it works is you they sort of have a list of apps that they've kind of curated and and you know may Know to work well with the Sense Player because it's it's a very scaled back screen reader, so it doesn't have all the functionality of TalkBack. Um, although there's there's some people in the community that have been poking around with this, and it looks like it actually might be TalkBack essentially, uh, but it's sort of a um, a very much uh, reduced functionality version of TalkBack, and so. All you have access to is sort of the keypad on the device and the you know left, right, up, and down arrows. So you don't have things like explore by touch, for example, like you would have on an Android phone, right, where you can just move around the touch screen. Hmm. So, um, <clears throat> so they've got a list of apps that they know to work. So there's like uh, Bard Mobile, which is the uh, National Library Service in the States um, app. And then there's Audible, Apple Music, Spotify, uh, Netflix. Interestingly enough, mm, um, okay. I haven't I haven't installed that one yet, but but there is Netflix. Um, and I think there's like eleven or twelve apps. Uh, Pandora, uh, a few others. And so you basically you in the main menu of the player, you go under something called All Apps, and then there's an App Installer link there. And so then you can go install one of their apps now. If you're feeling adventurous, um, you can actually install any app that you can get what's called the APK file for. So the APK file is like the app you know installer file. So the the it's important to note that the player is not connected or certified to the Play Store, so you can't just you know go to the Play Store and you know on the app and download anything you want. Um, <clears throat> that being said, though. There are um, app. uh, There are websites that you can go to, and basically you can find a link on the Play Store, paste it into this website, and it will essentially give you the download link for the app, or it'll it'll download the app to you as an APK file. Um, Once you have that, you can put it on the player and install it. So, for example, um, I installed VLC Media Player, uh, which is not the you know, which is not one of their sort of um, curated apps, uh, and it basically worked. Uh, I, what I wanted it for was I've got a, a a network attached storage box here that has all my media stuff on it, and I wanted to be able to access that from the Sense Player. Um, it's not the absolute best solution. I'm looking for something you know that's a little better, but I was able to actually, actually get into you know get into VLC, plug in all my player um, my network attached storage information and actually get something playing off it, which is which is uh you know pretty cool.
1: Um aside the screen reader and the, the download function, <laughs> let's talk about the other features because to me those would be classed in my mind anyway as the main reasons to buy the device. Yes, this is an additional and rather nice option. You haven't mentioned much about the connect feature to your smartphone. Is that something you're using?
7: I'm I, I'm not um and, I and, d- and for the, people who but,
1: don't know, sorry, I should explain this. Uh, uh, people are, <clears> you, well, you're able to, with the device, connect it via Bluetooth, and you can control your phone a bit like a Bluetooth keyboard. Um, but it has other capabilities beyond that, right?
7: Right. So you can actually um, like navigate voice over on your phone. You can dial your keypad. Uh, you know, I don't, that's not why I bought the device uh, for Smart Connect. I've, I mean, obviously, I'm interested in it, but... It's not something I'm finding myself using. And I and, I mean, full disclosure, I don't use an external keyboard at all with my phone. You know, when I'm carrying around my phone, I don't necessarily want to be carrying around – like, I don't use a Braille display with the phone either. I have a Braille display, but I don't use it with my phone. I just – I don't know. For whatever reason, I've just never got into that uh, that mode of, of using external devices with my phone because I just want to use my phone. Um, yeah. So I just I, – they they have done – uh, some updates to Smart Connect. I think it's mainly just bug fixes, uh, but I honestly I haven't done a ton with it. Um, I just it's not a feature I find myself needing.
1: So overall, how's it going?
7: Uh, with the player is great. Um, like I said, it, it's I'm I'm really I'm really really happy I bought it. it. It's it's not the cheapest player out there. Um, I and again for people that, rem- that don't remember, I did not buy the OCR version. Mm. Uh, I just didn't see a need for it. Um, the You know, I've got really good OCR on my phone, character recognition, so I didn't necessarily need it in my media player. Um, you know, being able to install things like, you know, you know Google Lookout or, you know, see, you know, uh, Be My Eyes or something on it might have been cool with the camera, um, especially because I've got access to the Be My AI now, which is absolutely mind-blowing. Um,
1: <laughs> so good, isn't
7: it? It is. Um, so um yeah I'm really I'm really quite happy with it. Uh I I think it's it's a really it's a really good device.
1: So here's the final question. Would you recommend it?
7: I would. Um I would say it's it is geared possibly to somebody who is a little more technical. Um especially with the Android navigation, it's going to take some getting used to. Um but I I mean the player it's responsive, it's you know it works really well. I think I think the Victor Stream interface is possibly a little a little easier to navigate and a little easier easier to learn. Um, but that's always sort of been its uh, its strong point uh, for somebody who doesn't necessarily want all the bells and whistles. Um, but uh, no, I love it. It's great.
1: So there you go, Sean. That's Jason Fair from Toronto telling us about the Sense Player. You've heard there about the Sense Player. You've heard about the Victor Reader. Which one's appealing to you? If you were to buy one? If, oh, well,
4: you know that's not going to happen. I know, that's uh, what I'm saying if. If if you were to gift me one, Stephen Scott, (sighs) I've got to say the Sense Player is intriguing me with that. The Netflix app was the thing that sort of made me go, oh, I didn't even think of that. Mm. That's very interesting
1: to me. Yeah, and it's obviously going to be more accessible. That well, huh, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Is it more accessible Steady. than using it on a smartphone? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this is, I guess, my only concern with this. It feels almost like what Hims have done here is they've developed something, which is it to all intents and purposes, a smartphone without the phone capability. Uh, yeah, uh, with a keyboard, right? With the tactile keyboard. And I, I totally get where they're going with this, but I'm just not convinced. And I suppose it comes back to this overarching conversation we had this week on the show about how people use this technology. Who wants this kind of technology and who needs it, right? Is there a, is there a question mark over? Who can use? Who would use this kind of tech? You know, sometimes it's for ease of use. I mean, a Victor Reader certainly something that I think makes my life a lot easier when I use it. Uh, I get a lot of fun out of it. Do I? Would, you know, can I do all this on my smartphone? I can, but you know, yes. it's nice to sometimes split it up a little bit. But if you're brand new to tech, would it be easier to just learn a smartphone first and then not have to contend with two different devices? This is the ongoing conversation, right?
4: Absolutely. For me, this is other device. This is either someone's media player, audio books or whatever, or it's a student's, you know, a, a dictaphone or reference uh, device. Yeah. It's simple as that. I, I, I don't know about comparing it to smartphones because smartphones just do everything. It's the price is creeping up there to a smartphone. Hey, listen, uh, we're hoping that uh, Access Tech Live will be on YouTube.
1: And as a result of that, I don't know about you, but I find YouTube to be a little bit irritating when it comes to navigation with a screen reader. I know it's doable. I know there are shortcuts, and I get that. But I must admit, I do find YouTube a bit awkward sometimes. And it doesn't lend itself, I think, very well to to blind people to navigate. Um, So I'm really pleased to say that on Monday's show, we're going to learn about an application that will probably be closed down as soon as we talk about it. Uh, But it does make (laughs) YouTube more accessible, for sure. Uh, I really hope it can stay alive because this is a fantastic app for Windows. And uh, Robin Christofferson, Lord Robin, of all he surveys, will be back with us to uh, demonstrate this fantastic app on uh, Windows. So we'll talk about that on Monday and lots more great conversations on next week's show. Of course, the big story next week will be Apple. Uh, We'll cover all that as the news comes in. And, of course, we'll have a star-studded panel or as close to anything we can make sound like that Uh, on Wednesday's show next week as we go through and review all of the announcements from Apple next week. So all that and more to come on Double Tap. But uh, for now though uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for taking the time to get in touch as well. Sean Priest, thank you to you for whatever it is you do
4: and uh, we'll catch you again Monday. You're welcome. Bye bye.